You're listening to the Fable 411 podcast produced by the City of Fable, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services we provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep our city moving. I'm Gav McRobert. And I'm Sherry Kropp. Thanks for joining us for the Fayetteville 411. Well, hurricane season begins on June 1st, and when the threat of a storm arises, we want you to be prepared. So we've invited Scott Bullard, Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Fayetteville, to talk about what you should do before, during, and after a storm. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you. And, you know, Scott, I'm glad to see you in this setting because you normally when we're hanging out, it's in the, uh, the emergency operations center in, a, in the middle of a hurricane or a tornado. So it's kind of nice to be able to do it in this more relaxed setting. <laughs> Absolutely. Or yeah. So um, in, in the threat of a severe storm or a hurricane, um, what should people do to be prepared? We don't want them to wait until the incident um, happens or as soon as they get notification or news that it's going to happen, we want them to be prepared way in advance. So what can they do? Sure. Our message always has three main pillars that we want people thinking um, about well ahead of the storm or any problem. Um, and those three things um, mutually work together. And, and they are quite simply in a list, um, having a plan, having a kit of some sort to sustain whatever their needs might be for 72 hours, and then finally, the third leg of the pillar is to stay informed, and that can take a, a, a series of different methods and devices and, and ways that they need to stay in contact. Well, let's start with the, the, the first pillar there on having a plan. So when you talk about a plan, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, you know, should you just run for the hills? Should you know where you need to go? Talk about that a little bit. It, it, exactly. And, and that plan is one of... Um, it's kind of like when a pilot files a flight plan to take off in an airplane. Um, you need to have a plan if you're leaving from home about where you're going, um, what you're taking with you, um, some information about the destination, because ideally we're still promoting staying with family or friends in this COVID-19 environment that, we, that we're still stuck in because we know shelter space and evacuation space will be very limited. So ideally... If you could go somewhere and stay with family and friends outside the danger area, um, but you just can't show up on their doorstep. You've got to have um, measures in place to take care of things. There has to be a communication plan because from the time you leave, you need to be able to communicate with that extended family or friends should you not arrive at your destination. Or let's say you have to take a different route. There are all these many factors that come into that. Um, if you have pets, there's another huge addition to your plan about how you're going to manage that. You know, do they go with you or are they so large that they couldn't be taken along like, let's say, a horse? You're not going to be able to throw that in the car. Um, also, if you have special needs, that's real important. And, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes people's um, medications sneak up on them, especially if they're needing refills here in the next few days and something happens. Or if they're on a medication, and I'll give you the prime example we run into challenges with all the time, is insulin, simply because it has to be refrigerated. So if we're going to leave and go somewhere, we need to have a little cooler with some ice if we're insulin dependent. And, and I guess also part of that plan is knowing where you live and what your area, because I just remember the last hurricane we had, how many people were caught 
by surprise because they were close to the river and they thought they were high enough up on on the bluff, so to speak, that they could avoid that flooding and then they had to evacuate. So I guess part of that is knowing what the flood risk is for your area, not only in um, during a hurricane, but during heavy heavy rain downpours and knowing your evacuation routes and um, what that trigger point is for you and your comfort of your family when, because like for me, where I live, I know I'm in a fairly secure location from flooding, but you know, evacuation for my family is going to depend on that track of that storm, you know, because our risk, my risk at my house is wind damage and tornadoes. Um, so, I, and that's part of my plan for my family. So I guess that also factors in what it does, and it's never been easier to get that information. Um, the the state has a flood information network that me- measures the risk and communicates it through maps. Um, and this is a link we'll put in our, our storm center that the city maintains where you literally can put your address in. And it'll show you where you fall in the floodplain on a map that you can understand with right down to the street level if that's what you desire to zoom into. Um, but there's also no... Um, maybe substitute for just getting to know your neighbors and finding out about the history. If you've got somebody, pick somebody who's been around a while. I was about to say, join like your community out. watch group. And, Absolutely. Because I know we are a transient <clears throat> community and, and neighbors come and go all the time, but there's always that solid core of residents who are actively involved and nothing can stop you from going, introducing yourself at a community watch meeting and try to find out from them because they know what streets get flooded and what areas are, can be problematic in a storm. And some of that plan actually pertains to intermingling with those neighbors mm-hmm. and looking after each other, that interdependency. If you know a neighbor's on insulin, you can offer up your fridge for them to help them out or your generator to help them. And also, if you know you have an elderly neighbor or something like that and you know that they might not have family or whatever, plan to take them with you or, you know. Keep an eye out on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of the whole nosy neighbor thing um, to, to that point. Check on them. If, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen your neighbor in a day or two, especially if they're older or in questionable health, um, the U.S. Postal Service for years has, has kind of offered that service as a sidecar to what they normally do. For instance, if the mailbox is filling up and they haven't seen that resident, then they start asking questions. Mm-hmm. And public safety is glad to do a welfare check. That's easy. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, the emergency kit. What should people put in that kit? Sure. Um, I hate sometimes when people characterize the kit as a big box or a big bin because sometimes that doesn't fit exactly what your needs or my needs might be. And the reason I raise that issue is depending on how many is in our family group or our our mm-hmm. our group we're preparing for, the water may not fit because we want at least a gallon per individual per day. So that might mess up our, our plastic bin. Mm-hmm. But if we could put the water aside, knowing it's important, and it's probably going to be in gallon jugs or something, that's great. But inside our kit, if it is a bin or a box, we need all of those things that might keep us going for 72 hours. If we have special medical needs and we need our medicines in there, um, if we have pets, they need their food and arrangements made for them in that kit. We also need shelf-stable food. Um, I like all of these um, energy bars and power bars and things now that you literally could eat a couple and be okay for the day. Might not be what you want to eat, but they would mm-hmm. sustain us. Mm-hmm. I like camping food in my kit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the kids... If we're going to pick something, we need to pick something they'll eat. Um, and there are things out there that are, are kind of more t- 
tailored to their preferences. Um, we wouldn't want to load it up with cans without a can opener either. Right, so if exactly. we're going to use that route, um, certainly if it depends on that, you need need the tools and the equipment to make things work. Um, our devices have to be charged. So we have to make arrangements for that. There's all kinds of power sticks and things out now that, that do it all. Um, you want to have a radio in there because I'm not sure where you may end up. And mm-hmm. that's one additional means to get the messaging and and, and the directions um, an emergency broadcast that you might need. Um, and, and if there are any other things that are just peculiar to your situation, um, if you're on crutches or you're wheelchair dependent, there are all sorts of things that might go along with your kit that wouldn't be the norm for maybe the rest of the population. If you ha- if you have an infant, you need to make sure that you have like diapers and things like that in there. You do, and that that is such a timely statement at the moment because there's a nationwide scare with the supply of formula, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and formula is going to be critical. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's a concern with the kid is if you're a caregiver with somebody with special needs, you you have to. And you're probably already prepared because you've been doing that. But that's another thing that has to be factored into the process, all the supplies you might need, because a shelter situation, you're not going to have the supplies unless you brought them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the one other thing I always like to include in my 72-hour kit is those paperwork, the important paperwork that you need mm-hmm. for when you come back and there is damage on your property, so your insurance policies, your uh documentation so you can log in who your contact information is uh, with your insurance company and uh, just uh, to kind of get ready so when you get back you can start getting your your life and your house back to what it was before the the disaster hits you well I'm glad you mentioned that because we've not been in a re-entry situation in a while but you may very well have to prove mm-hmm. your house location so if you've got ID that's fine but if you've lost your ID or didn't carry your wallet, you may not initially be able to get back into your neighborhood if it's been devastated because you have to prove that you live where you say you live. Yeah, mm-hmm. because the police want to protect the um, property from uh, ne'er-do-well individuals who want, want to take advantage of a bad situation. Right. So, And I think uh, one last thing we want to, we I know I always remind people about the 72-hour kit, have it in a location that's easy to find and locate and grab if you got to go quickly. Because mm-hmm. I know that's one thing that came up during our last hurricane when people, you know, had very short notice that they needed to evacuate. It does. And I, and I tell you, for our area, the one thing that, that always kind of stings people um, early on is we get a rush for people trying to fuel up. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing I would admonish the public about is if you have widespread power outages, the stations that dispense the fuel are not going to be able to do it because a lot of them don't have backup generators. So mm-hmm. don't sit on that Good example. empty yeah. tank yeah. of gas. Yeah. Fill her up. Yeah, if we fill up our gas tanks, it. and I usually have a gas can I use for lawn mowing, and I fill that up too. And I got a good sized RV that if I need to siphon off of, I can do that as well. And another thing I want to remind people about putting in that emergency kit is uh, like hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. and the sanitary wipes, you know. Bug spray Um, and mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, So that's what we can do to prepare uh, before the storm. And when we get an immediate threat of a storm, let's say we know one's going to happen maybe tomorrow or the day after, um, what are some things that we need to do at that point? 
Well, at, at that point, you're going to have to take action. Um, if you haven't already gotten your kit together and everything ready to walk out the door, then you're behind. Mm-hmm. And that also means you probably ignored us as we um, gave the warnings and, and asked you to move forward. Um, at that point, uh, you're going to have to make some quick decisions and you're going to have to hastily put together some actions that we wish you had, had done before, but it's not the end of the world. You still need to act and don't wait until things are the storm swirling all around to where you physically cannot leave or the water's up to your your doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at that point, it, you, you kind of have a survival mm-hmm. mode that people go into. Sometimes that's as simple as get in the car and leave if the weather permits that. If not, um, we need you to stay with some friends or or you need to contact the 911 center so we can get you sheltered. But you also remember, too, your failure to prepare also puts a burden then on the efforts that are going on for people that couldn't self-evacuate or self-rescue. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we really get into a, a problem and get overloaded when some of that happens. And I'll give you an example. People run out of medical oxygen, and then they want to be taken to the hospital and that puts a huge load on the hospital if your only complaint is you Lack just need a, a new oxygen bottle. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the 72-hour kits. We talked about um, making sure everything's prepped before a storm. And, you know, in today's modern age, we really aren't caught by surprise that much anymore. Um, I mean, we usually get about a week warning. And, you know, that path might change at the last minute, but we got a pretty good idea that a storm's coming. And I know personally for me, um, just because of the business I do and having to work in the EOC and that week out, I, it, I'm usually pretty busy at home. I'm windproofing my backyard. I'm pulling out all my kids' toys and stuff like that that can be airborne projectiles and strong winds. I'm putting, I put lawn furniture into my pool before, so it can't become airborne. Um, I take down my awnings, anything that could really just be picked up by strong winds. Trampolines. Uh, trample, oh my God, yes. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot you can do. And and, and and quite honestly, the way I view it, that's on me if I miss it. If, if I'm not getting prepared a week out, that's my mistake. And I don't want that to happen. So some of the other things we got to think about, too, is cash. You know, you don't want to wait to the last minute to go to the ATM because usually there's a line for getting that cash and the ATM might run out. So that's something you want to make sure you have on hand because if computers go out, guess what you can't do? Purchase. And we're finding a lot of merchants that only want cash now. So yeah. that just adds to whether or not you're going to be successful in purchasing and, and paying for whatever it is you need. Um, one, one thing that I, I hear detractors like, oh, the storm missed me. All this was for nothing. That's not true. No. I mean, this is your, your rehearsal um, for the adults. But I would ask them to make it a note that for the younger members of the household, family, even community, you're teaching a habit. Mm-hmm. And it's important they learn that habit. It's also the only time my backyard gets cleaned up really nice too. So I try. <laughs> I use it as an opportunity and excuse to be good. Um, and one th- one thing um, we want to remind people of too that pe- they might not think about is to make sure those phones are fully charged mm-hmm. because that is their banks. that's on their their only line of communication with family. Um, y- you know, so you need to make sure those are charged. And, and I think that's what one of the things we found, like especially after the tornado. I remember 2011 we had that tornado rip through our communities. And one of the first things I saw being set up after that tornado was those mobile cell towers. 
So people and mobile charging stations, because that was a lot of the only ways people had to connect and get information. And I think that's a big, important thing. I think people underestimate. It, it is. And, and to that end, I think you have to change your habits. Um, and, and what I mean by that, you may have to look at how much data you're streaming, get off social media. You might even need to be in airplane mode for a while, even though I realize you're not flying, but that preserves that battery mm-hmm. life from it having to to expend all that energy for things that are maybe not that important. And my family, um, I urge them to to text as much as possible Mm -hmm. because a lot of times the text will get through even though the voice side of the mobile communications is saturated. It'll it'll be there waiting for you when it finally gets through. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think one other thing, I know this is something that I learned from storms. When the power goes out in a storm, What's one of the most important things you can do? And I know you know this answer, Scott. And you've got to throw the main, if you can, off your, what, whether it's a home or a business or what have you. Exactly. Because you, you might have your stove on when that power goes off. Um, electronic device might be on. And when that power is finally restored, guess what turns on? Whatever was on is back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we've had a bunch of fires from that. Happen. We have. And, and if you're in a shelter or something like that, you're not there to stop it from happening. I remember one time I came back from vacation and we had to power on and we had an electrical shortage. And by God, we got home in time to, for me to flip that breaker and, and keep my house from going up in flames. But, you know, that's something to remember. And I think you also mentioned, too, about gas as well, right? Yes, if you can secure the utilities, and, and most people that have a portable gas tank can do that. Now, I realize we have customers that are actually on on the mains with the lines coming in. You may not be able to disconnect that as easy, but... At least be mindful of it. Turn the appliances off. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott, during a storm, if um, someone plans to shelter in place, uh, what are some things that they need to keep in mind? Well, the main thing, again, everything applies. They still need to plan the kit, and, and they need to, to stay informed, and they need to let their loved ones know that that's the course of action that they've chosen, um, that, that they're going to ride it out. Um but it, at the same point as well, um, they really need to factor in there will come a point in time where even public safety is going to be stressed, stressed to get to you once the storm starts. Um, and, and sometimes that creates a burden for us um, on the emergency call side because people said, well, last time it wasn't a big deal, so I'm going to ride it this time. And then they get in the midst of it and realize, oh, I made a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to recover from that bad decision in the moment. Mm -hmm. And they have to understand that and have to be patient. And um, in in the instance of a hurricane, um, they need to make sure that they are in a interior room, uh, windowless. Yes. Right. and, and not to make a last-minute decision and say, oh, I made a mistake, I need to leave. They just need to shelter in place and follow those those rules. Exactly. And even after even after that storm, too, please don't be the looky-loo that goes out. And the, it's great if you're going to go check in on your neighbors, which is important, but don't go riding through town. Please don't go riding through town to see the damage because that can complicate. I remember during the last, the one hurricane, we had high flooding, and I happened to... Um, I heard of something going up on Hay Street and I think it was Green Street um, out by Cross Creek Park and somebody tried to drive through the high water and mm. got swept off the road and thankfully their SUV got caught on a flower bed right before the creek. And if it hadn't been for that, I think those 
three people would have been swept down river. Talk a little bit about turn around, don't drown a little bit, because I know that's can be, uh, oh. unfortunately, we see that a lot. And, it, and it's so easy. Um, we frequently hear the criticism in emergency services about, um, well, why are you all out on the roads, Being, meaning fire, police, and EMS? Well, my comeback to that is because some of you or your friends are out on the roads causing problems that force us to be out on the roads. But um, the bottom line is, if you can stay put, shelter in home, stay there until things resolve to the point to where it's safe to go out again. If you can't do that, um, you have to be smart about it. And no matter how deep the water might seem, um, don't drive through it. Even though you may know the road, what if the road's gone? It could be washed completely out. And then you're adding to the burden of the emergency services providers and much less risking your life. It doesn't take much water to float a car. It, it doesn't. And if you are swept away, um, it doesn't matter how good a swimmer you are or any of those things. Um, you're then at the mercy of of the flooding. And flooding is the number one killer. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what's in that water. There could be trees, debris. It's all churning. You don't see more than an inch or two down into that water. And that's power lines. Any, any number of things could take yeah, you out. That's what I was going to say. There could be, you know, down power lines and things like that that could electrocute you. Um, so at what point would people need to go back home? Um, well, I think they need that. That's part of that third pillar about staying informed. Um, listen to the officials. Um, they will let you know, um, with road closures and so forth that, that the news, especially the news media do a a fairly good job of reporting. Um, there's an online database with DOT talks about road closures. Um, Tim's, I believe, is the name of it, Traffic Incident Management System. There are other ways to get information, but um, part of it, too, is if you can get in touch with your loved ones or your neighbor, somebody call around and find out. But do the research. Be prepared a little bit. Just don't get out and start driving. And, and, and listen to, you know, we put out a lot of information during storms, during mm-hmm. middle, before, during, and after. And uh I know the last hurricane, we set up a, a call center uh, for non-emergency calls, and that's a good chance. If you're following what's going on and paying attention and listening to the press re- conferences or visiting our website, that information will be there on how you can get more information. And I think that kind of brings us up to the I, what we'll wrap up with and on what are some of the resources for information. I know um, the city, we maintain a website at fablenc.gov storm where you'll find a lot of important links, a lot of good information. You'll find links for how to sign up for Cumberland Alerts, which is manned and operated by the county, but it's countywide, including Fable residents. So you'll see a link there to sign up for that. And that's an important way of getting information pushed to you from the EOC um, and from first responders. And and that, like, what other kind of information is out there? Uh, There could be information pushed through Cumberland Alerts, which is a subscription-based service um, that you can get official um, announcements and notification from. If you have a smartphone, um, you will get a wireless alert if, if you've created the settings that allow such. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that you can't change, fortunately. But then there are other things, if you've opened the, the rights on it enough, that you can get all sorts of information about um, actions to take and whether they be protective actions or, or what have you. There's always local uh, local television news. There's radio. Um, I, I would say be redundant and have as many sources mm-hmm. as possible. And some of our local radio stations um, partner with us, and they'll go and stay on the air for hours on end 
to add that voice, knowing that for some groups in our population, that's their lifeline. That's our only connection. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And for tips and information on um, how to be prepared and learn about the things that you should do before a storm um, or during a storm. They can go to readync.gov. That website has a ton of information, not just for hurricanes, but flooding and and all sorts of disasters. And then uh, the FEMA app. And of course, yeah, redcross.org also has a lot of information on there. And and truly, to, to your point, we want to build an all-hazards posture towards anything that might happen, and, and ready.gov gives you that um, repertoire of things to choose from and to learn about and, and be prepared for anything that might come along. And I think that's important because I think a lot of times when we think of disasters around here, we think hurricane is the first thing that comes to mind, but mm-hmm. by golly, there's so much more. I mean, there's tornadoes. Uh, strong. T- sometimes we get strong storms come in with... Um, was it uh, frontline winds or just the, the single, the, the strong winds can come out and do a lot of damage. And those are the ones that catch you by surprise. So you don't want to wait until the last minute because some storms like that can come through. There could be a fire. Mm-hmm. It, it could be any number mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. that can hit that you want to be prepared for. And Scott, that was a lot of great links that you provided in. And just to remind you, listener, um, all these links we'll put into the show notes on to this podcast. So uh, it's a lot to absorb. We recognize that. So just go on down to the show notes. Um, we'll have the links there. So we'll also include all those links on the city's website at fablenc.gov storm. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Fable 411. Thank you, Scott, for joining us and sharing all that great information. Thank you. Glad to do it. Fable 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fable, as we provide timely and informative updates every week on a variety of topics related to the city of Fable. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fable on Apple iTunes, the iTunes podcast app, as well as the Google Play Music podcast portal. Radio Fable is also available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fayetteville has to offer by downloading the Fay TV streaming app available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can view all of our video content by visiting FayTV.net. To get information about city services, go to our webpage at FayettevilleNC.gov. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>